Alright folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. No music at the beginning here, sorry about that. Wanted to, uh, just like my, my setup is lagging up a storm right now, so didn't want to screw anything up. I did play the video, so congratulations on that. Uh, hope everybody is having a great morning. And probably a great morning given that the Denver Nuggets won last night in what was a big, big game. It was a really, really nice game. And they, they take down the Milwaukee Bucks 113-107 in a clutch masterclass from Denver on both ends of the floor. And a really nice reminder that this is just who the Nuggets are. This is just who they are. And it's really, really nice to see. Very, very cool. Uh, hello, Nadine. Very nice to see you this morning. Hello, Phoenix. Uh, I'm Jinx King, apparently. That's uh, actually, you know, I've, I've, I'm the reverse Jinx guy. That's that's just going to be my title. That's great. And I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, and Ben Mac is uh, in the comments as well. So if you're in the comments, make sure to like and subscribe to the video. That would really help us out tremendously as we continue to grow things. Uh, we're doing great on the MHS side of things. It's like nearly up at 6K on the subscriber count there. And it's been a lot of fun. I'm going into the office later today to record some more content with Swipa. And we're going to use that sweet new office setup of the, the studio setup. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but Ben Mac, this comment here, the Nuggets execution in that thing was a thing of beauty. So damn fun to watch that Jamal drive and underhand finish was sexy as hell. I agree. He was wondering, how did I not get fouled on that? I didn't think it was a foul, but like it was really nice to see. Like Jamal was driving up a storm in this game yesterday, and it was really, really cool because that's not necessarily what you're supposed to do against Milwaukee, but Denver had a game plan and they executed it well, and Jamal was at the center of it. So really good on him, really good on Denver for getting it done against a great basketball team. Actually, you know what? I'll amend that. I think Milwaukee right now is a good basketball team. They are good. Like there's there's no question about that. They have the potential to be great. They have the talent to be great. And there were some elements from yesterday that I was really, really impressed with with Milwaukee. Chris Middleton played a great game overall. Brooke Lopez, I thought, played a great game overall. He made Jokic's life really, really difficult. But AG made Giannis's life difficult. Peyton Watson. Made Giannis's life and Dame's life difficult. KCP doing great things on the defensive end once again. And then Jamal steps up in a big moment like you love to see. So awesome to see from Denver. We'll get into all of it. I want to start with the two big matchups and then we'll get into the clutch defense in the second segment. Final segment, we'll go over Michael Malone's 400th win and just what he means to this Nuggets organization, especially in contrast to Doc Rivers coaching his first game with the Milwaukee Bucks organization, really fascinating to see. But yeah, let's get into it. Let's talk about this game. Fun matchup, obviously. Denver gets out to a pretty slow start last night, and I was a little bit concerned, not necessarily like like Denver not, not really locked in there and giving up some open threes, not necessarily playing with the right pace, doing some dumb things offensively, but they settled down really quickly. And it was the bench that really settled them down, right? Uh, Reggie Jackson, I thought, had a great game yesterday. Peyton Watson had a great game. Christian Brown, six rebounds, including two offensive. He deserves a lot of credit. And then DeAndre Jordan, when he came in, even made some good plays, although he was a negative in the plus minus. 
where Denver really won this game was in that first quarter where Milwaukee had this chance because they're up like 26 to 13. They did a great, great job of getting out to a big lead, executing really well. Giannis was getting downhill. Dame was hitting his threes. They were doing a great job. And then Denver came back. And the reason why Denver came back was because Milwaukee brought in their bench, campaign, Pat Connaughton, Jay Crowder, Bobby Portis, guys like that. And Bobby Portis just could not hit anything for the first three quarters of this game. And that really allowed Denver, I think, to get back into it because Milwaukee kept force feeding Bobby. He was very, very aggressive and had the lowest plus minus on the team for a reason, I think. Though just when he was out there, especially when Jokic was out there too, you had uh, Bobby Portis and Giannis, you had Bobby Portis and Brooke. A little bit of a different look for Milwaukee than when their starters were out there. Brooke Lopez was a plus five. Uh, Giannis was a minus three, but like when he was out there with the starters, their starting lineup was really, really good. Uh, Chris Middleton plus two in only 30 minutes. I, I don't think he was on a minutes restriction or anything like that, but he was great yesterday. And it was interesting to see them kind of not go to that over and over again during the the important moments. But no, I was, I was really impressed with the way that Denver bounced back and their bench bounced back because that's just not usually what you see. And then Jamal takes over in that second quarter, and especially to close that second quarter, he was great throughout the game, but there were just these, these plays over and over and over again where Jamal would drive into the defense and kind of get to that right elbow area and pull up, or maybe it was a turnaround, or maybe it was a floater, or maybe it was something else, but he was getting to his spots in the paint and around the paint and finishing it extremely well, and that gave Denver the the cushion that are like not the cushion, but like the actual points that they needed in that moment because Jokic started out really slow. Uh, Lopez was doing great. He was shooting the ball really, really well, and he was guarding Jokic really, really well. And in that first half, Jokic was a little bit frustrated, obviously, with Musa Dagger, Tony Brothers, the two refs that I think are the biggest ops in Nuggets fandom right now outside of maybe Ben Taylor. Uh, but it was nice to see. Jamal pick him up in that moment because that's what he's there for. That's what he's supposed to do. When Jokic isn't playing at his best, especially shooting wise, that's what Jamal's skill set is for. That's what that's what the two-man game is for. It's the the opportunity to then take on a little bit more of that extra responsibility. And he did it great. Finished with 21 points. Denver was all tied up at I think 56 at halftime. And then third quarter, it felt like Denver was going to win. It felt like they were going to pull away. They never quite pulled away that far. I think that the lead was at, at max, it was like a seven-point lead, eight-point lead. But every time Denver would get up, they'd make a mistake here or there. Milwaukee would hit a clutch three, and they, they kept the game close all the way through, all the way through. And it came down to Denver's bench again, and lo and behold, Peyton Watson, especially in that second half, was fantastic, and he did a, a really, really nice job. Actually, in the first half, he did a really nice job on Giannis, too. But it just stood out so drastically what he was doing on both ends of the floor. Uh, only had six points, four rebounds, two assists. It didn't feel like he was great, but he connected everything. And the moments where he did have uh, a play, a little bit of impact, some hustle, some defense, 
they stood out very strongly because Giannis usually tries to go right at the guy that he's going against. And he tried to go through Peyton Watson's chest a couple times, had some success, didn't always have success, but that's the growing moments against one of the best players in the world. And like Giannis is such a tough cover. And the fact that Peyton stood up to him, 21 years old, smaller, doing everything that he can to be physical with him and, and do it without fouling. Like he only finished with three fouls in 23 minutes against Giannis and Dame Lillard. Like that is a crazy, crazy thing. So we're going to talk a little bit about him more in the second segment, but I uh, just love what I saw from p Loved what I saw from Reggie Jackson, who really set the table well for Denver. He led the team at plus 15 in the game and had nine points, five assists, zero turnovers, and was just very, very good and very, very poised throughout the game, setting up Jokic really well, but also set up DeAndre Jordan for a lob. How about that lob over the top to DeAndre Jordan on top of Giannis Antetokounmpo? That was so cool. And that's what that's what you're supposed to do in that situation. That's what the Reggie DeAndre pick and roll is supposed to be. And there were some plays where Jamal was really going at it, but he also kind of ceded some control of the offense every now and then to in that second unit where like you just need somebody else to create easy shots. And Reggie, I thought, created some easy ba- some easy baskets where you are setting the table for DeAndre Jordan. You're getting to your floater. You're getting to your jumper in the mid-range. It was nice to see Reggie really step up in that moment, too. So that was the vision for the second unit, by the way. It isn't going to be perfect all the time. But in my opinion, Denver's second unit can work between Reggie and Jamal. They have to find the right balance. And in these big moments, in these big games, I think you're going to find them find that balance just a little bit more, a little bit better. We saw it against the Boston game. Didn't see it as much in the Philly game, but like they, they weren't the reason why Denver lost. Um, actually, no, that, that, that game wasn't as great. But we've seen it a little like a couple times where Reggie and Jamal can find that balance on the second unit. I do believe that it can happen. I think they need a better big man to kind of pair with them than somebody like DeAndre. But he's, to, to his credit, stepped up yesterday and did exactly what he needed to do in order for Denver to get the W. So. Credit to him. And like that dunk was sick. Like that was it. That was a great, great dunk on Giannis. Really got the crowd going at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And then Denver gets into their clutch time mode and and Jamal's hitting these pull-ups and he's driving to the rim. He's setting up Jokic and Jokic has finally found his shot a little bit. Didn't shoot as much in the latter stages of the game, uh, but he did go 10 of 25 from the field, which is a lot of shots. Uh, I thought that Brooke Lopez was great defensively in this one, did some nice things against Jokic and, and being physical, both doing so without fouling or at least like getting away with it. And Jokic had to fight for everything he had, but did everything else in addition to that. 25 points, 16 rebounds, 12 assists for Jokic, three steals and two blocks. His defense was great. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like, There were some slow closeouts for sure. I think that there's absolutely some things that he can improve upon on the defensive end, just like getting out sooner to a guy like Brooke Lopez. But that's just good execution from the Milwaukee Bucks. You got to concede something. And so they conceded some threes to Brooke and he hit five of nine. So sometimes he'll hit three of nine because like you're just you just got to give that up. But in general, Jokic's defense, especially in the passing lanes, was great. He had a couple blocks, which were great. And Denver won this game 
with their clutch defense. They won it by executing better than the opposition. They are familiar with Damian Lillard's game. They're familiar with Giannis's game. They know exactly what those guys were going to do. And they beat them to the punch. They absolutely did. It was really, really impressive. And I tend to think that Denver, like this is just practice. Like this is not like this is the norm. This is the thing that they're supposed to be doing now. This is the thing that they've proven over and over and over again that they can do when the going gets tough over the course of these last two years. And Jamal Murray had some interesting things to say. I'm going to pull up the quotes that I put in my story. So if you haven't read the story yet, go take a look at that on milehighsports.com. But I was very, very impressed with Denver's mentality on the second unit. Murray shared it. I think it's more than just about who's got your, I think it's more just about who's got your back. When Dame's coming off the screen, it's about trusting who's going to be there. If somebody makes a mistake or improvises and doubles, just being on a string, we don't have to draw it up. You know what I'm saying? I think that just having a better reaction, better timing, I think we did a good job of just reading each other on the defensive end. Denver knows what they're supposed to do. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in the second segment because I think it it deserves its own time. But like really, really, really impressive defense. And Denver's clutch defense, I think, is a very small microcosm of what makes them great. But it is part of the story. And it was all of last year and all of last playoffs, too. And they've somehow got better on that end. So let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to chat about the clutch defense. We'll chat about Murray versus Dame, Jokic versus Giannis a a little bit more as well. And then we'll get into Malone's 400th win and just what he means to the organization. But first, everybody, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports, who are changing the game this year with the most trusted name in sports gambling and a direct line to Las Vegas. And now you can use the promo code MILEHIGH and you score up to 250 bucks with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, Superbook will match your first bet up to 250 with promo code MILEHIGH. Download the Superbook Sports app, enter that promo code, and you'll get 250 bucks, courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show. Really appreciate all the love and support. Make sure to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button down below, especially if you are new. Uh, But I see a lot of friendly, familiar faces in here. So thank you so much for returning as well. Always great to see the familiar faces just bantering in the chat. If you have any questions, make sure to hit those up in the chat as well. Uh, I will do my best as, as I try throughout these shows to answer as many comments as I can. All right, let's get into this game. Let's get back into, let's go with the clutch defense. So one of the things that stands out about Denver is that their clutch defense is better than it was last year somehow. And last year, Denver ranked third in the entire NBA in clutch defense. And if you remember about the storylines from last year, a lot of people were thinking, okay, Denver's offense is great. They've got the best offense or the second best offense in the NBA. 
I think it actually dropped by the end of the year. Like they were not necessarily as focused at the end of the year, especially. But throughout much of the year, they were first or top three or so in offense. And the storyline was, can they defend? Can they defend, especially with Jokic? Can they defend at the level that they need to, to be the best team in the world, to win four playoff rounds and to actually get it done in the postseason? And it was funny because Denver's clutch defense last year was very similar to how it is this year, where it was very noticeable and very visceral that when Denver decided that they wanted to care on the defensive end, they tightened up the screws, they made things difficult for the opponent, they played with more energy, they played with more focus, and it was clear that they weren't going to make as many mistakes in the clutch, and they did a lot better. They, they had a great defensive rating, one of the strongest like differentiations between regular defense and clutch defense, which to me is a lot about effort. Michael Malone talked about it a lot about effort, and he was a little bit frustrated with it last year. It's like, hey, why can't you defend for 43 the other 43 minutes? Why do you have to save it for the final five? Because defense is hard, and he knows that. He understands why. Of course he does. He's one of the smartest people we know in the NBA. But it's mostly about being able to survive in the regular season, being able to show things. And it feels to me like Denver's on that path again. Like they're finding new ways to be that great clutch defense. They've experimented with a lot of things, if you remember, too. Throughout the year, they will switch Jokic onto the perimeter. They will uh, play drop. They will play they'll double aggressively. They will use Jokic's skill set as a pass defense kind of guy where he's picking off passes, he's deflecting balls, and then he is recovering to the rim or recovering to a three-point shooter, getting out and, and doing what he can to be a rebounder as well. Denver knows their team so well, and they know Jokic's strengths and weaknesses so well that they've been able to build this defense that takes advantage of that really, really well. They are very aggressive, but they're also very versatile. And Jokic's versatility on the defensive end is, I think, what surprised a lot of people. Nobody thought that he could be up at the level and in doubles and in drop and playing these passing lanes and protecting the rim and doing all these things. But he's been able to do that. And yesterday, I thought was a great example of that, where they are continuing to learn how to best use him and how to be the best version of themselves. They trust each other so much. And that quote that I read out from Jamal, I think it's a great microcosm of who they are as a team and how they have become this version of themselves. It's that continuity. It's that chemistry. It's the understanding of what needs to get done and the willingness to trust the team around you to do it. And that's what a veteran team can do. And they've certainly done that, especially in the starting lineup. That group in the clutch is so good defensively. It's so, so good. And I've been very, very impressed once again with Denver's defense, which is now first in the NBA in clutch. They have a 93.3 defensive rating. In the clutch. Denver's played, what, 48 games this year? Not all of those games get into the clutch. I think like 25 of them get into the clutch. And then not all of those games spend the entire five minutes in the clutch. So really what this is, 
it's still a 90 minute sample size. And what a lot of people argued last year against Denver was that the clutch isn't a great representation of what they're going to be in the playoffs because clutch is such a small sample size and you're trying your hardest. But what happens when the other team tries their hardest offensively? As if they're not already trying their hardest offensively in the clutch anyway. It's just so fascinating to be able to see Denver kind of uh, approach these moments cerebrally, approach them from the perspective of, hey, we are going to be tacticians. We're going to be smart about how we defend these different sets. And Michael Malone and Ryan Saunders deserve a ton of credit for that. Empowering their team, making sure that they know exactly what the principles are, but the team also just trusts each other. And having a veteran group like this has really helped them. But what's also helped them surprisingly is Peyton Watson. And I got to give him so much credit, man, because we've talked about this a ton on this podcast, especially when I'm with Swipa, because Swipa, that's Peyton's his guy. Like Peyton is the one that he tethered his takes to. He said very quickly, this guy's a 25 million per year kind of player because he can do it on both ends of the floor. And you, you just don't get this very often. Somebody like that, who's a six foot eight wing with offensive skills. It's just very, very rare for somebody with that level of athleticism and defense to be this good offensively. His ability to guard a million different players, a million different styles, and improve every single night has been so, so impressive. Denver deployed him last night. Aaron Gordon picks up five fouls with about five minutes left to go in the game. And rather than keep him out there, I'm not sure what Denver was ultimately going to try. But I think what they were going to do was try to give, like, hey, let's let's give him a couple minutes off. Let's make sure that he doesn't pick up that sixth foul with like four minutes to go. And then you got to play the final four minutes with Peyton on the floor. They decided, hey, we're going to get Aaron Gordon a break and we're going to bring Peyton Watson in. He immediately makes a defensive play, blitzing Chris Middleton in the Middleton Giannis pick and roll, bothers him and does a great job of being physical, a great job of taking away airspace and being a smart defensive player. Then he comes back in and he forces a travel on Giannis in like transition. (laughs) Giannis is doing the thing where he loads up and absolutely is going to go on a runway to like drive through your chest and get to the rim. And Peyton baits him into it. Peyton says, you know what? I will let you drive into me. I'll let you drive into me so hard that I'm not even going to be there. I'm going to pull the chair. Usually you see that in the post. Peyton did it on a drive. Peyton did it on a drive in the clutch. And I know that that game was already kind of decided by that point, but that basically was the cherry on top where you have this smart defensive possession from your 21-year-old basically rookie. It was like, you know what? I'm just going to try something. And he absolutely succeeded. His ability to guard and his ability to be deployed at the shooting guard small forward and power forward spots is so important for Denver. They've tried these different lineups where he's at the two, three, and four. Sometimes Michael Porter's out there. And then they'll, like I, I, in my rotation charts, I have it as Michael Porter playing the two. It's actually Peyton Watson at the two. And I love that group because it gives Denver this athletic size 
where Peyton Watson's your six foot eight two guard, Michael Porter's your six foot ten three, Aaron Gordon's your six foot eight power forward who's just this physical beast, and Jokic is at center. Like there's so many targets, so many guys for Jokic to go to, for Murray to go to in these moments where as long as Peyton can shoot a little bit, as long as he's in the right place offensively, that should be a great defensive look and just a little bit of a different wrinkle than having KCP out there who's six foot five, who's one of your best perimeter defenders, maybe your best perimeter defender, obviously, but is a little bit smaller and more technical, whereas Peyton Watson can just like overwhelm somebody on the perimeter with being six foot eight and having a seven foot wingspan and that level of athleticism. He's been great. And it's that flexibility that Denver has where they can just introduce this extra weapon into their normal starting five, deploy him in these different ways, kind of like Bruce Brown, and be willing to live with the results. This is such great experience for a guy like Peyton. And I have zero doubt now. Just zero. I've seen enough. I have zero doubt that Peyton Watson will close a playoff game for Denver and be the difference maker in a playoff series. I don't know which series it's going to be. I don't know which play he's going to make. I don't know which guy he's going to guard. It could be any of them. You know who it could be? Jay Gilgis Alexander. You know who it could be? Anthony Edwards. But it could also be Jalen Williams on OKC. It could also be Carl Anthony Towns on Minnesota. And him having that physicality and that versatility gives Denver these options where they can deploy him in the smartest ways possible. And because the rest of the starters are so smart and so versatile and so talented, they can make it work regardless. They can simplify the game for Peyton. And that's what having a veteran team means to me. It's like you can introduce this one element and it changes things smartly, but also in a small way that's advantageous and isn't going to completely disrupt what you do. Other teams will dare him, but I think Peyton Watson's up for it, man. I really, really do. And I'm surprised because I did not expect it, but he's been great. And it's been a lot of fun to watch. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to chat Malone's 400th win, chat a little bit about the Bucks, and we'll, we'll circle back to Murray versus Dame and Jokic versus Giannis for sure. But first, Let's go to Good Morning Broncos. Good Morning Broncos taking a little bit of a break here, but it is going to be fun to see what Cody continues to do. I'm curious to see just where the Broncos go. And how about that fo- those football games over the weekend? Those were a lot of fun. I know this is a basketball podcast, but like it can appreciate good stuff. And I know nobody's going to like my Patrick Mahomes takes, but he's pretty good. Uh, and then that should be a fun Super Bowl for sure in a couple weeks. So looking forward to that. Uh, but we've got basketball. We're, we're going to talk basketball here. And I'm very excited for Michael Malone. 400th win for Denver's greatest coach in NBA in, in franchise history. That's what Malone is going to be, and his ability to continue to get the best out of everybody and to keep the locker room together and to keep everybody motivated on the things that matter 
is really, really underrated. Most people talk about coaches from a tactical standpoint, and Malone's got better tactics than I think people give him credit for. I don't think he's a tactical genius. I don't think he's a guy that like, like he's not going to coach circles around another coach and have their head spinning from a like a tactical standpoint. Like Denver, they don't do the most complicated things. But what they do do are smart things. And they have these principles that they continue to go to. And Malone continues to empower different players in order to become the best versions of themselves. And he sets up Nikola Jokic for success all the time. Sets up Jamal Murray for, for success. They quickly identified how to use Aaron Gordon and made it so that he'd be the perfect fit and like bought into his role and isn't doing too many things outside of his normal role. Now, there's a couple pull-ups every now and then that I really disagreed with, especially in last night's game. But usually, Denver does a great job of empowering their players and getting them to do the things that matter most, especially within a championship context. And it's through a lot of culture building. It's through relationships to Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, uh, building a relationship with Michael Porter that has continued to evolve. And I'm just very happy for Malone, who got the 400th win. He didn't want to talk about it pregame. He was too uh, too amped and, and wanting to make sure that it actually happened. And like you get a big win against Milwaukee. That's that's a big time win, especially Doc Rivers' first game. Damian Lillard, Giannis, they want to put on the best show that they can for him. And Denver spoiled it. It was really, really cool to see. Uh, just credit to him. Doug Moe is Denver's all-time winningest coach in the regular season at 432 wins. If I am if I'm still correct, I think George Carl's at 423, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, 423 for George Carl. So Michael Malone's now at 400, and he's probably not going to pass Dugmo. There's only 34 games left in the season, so Denver would have to go 33 and one or 34 and 0 for the rest of the year in order to make it happen. How funny is that, by the way? When I say it like that, Denver only has 34 games left in the regular season. Time flies, man. Like this, everything blurs together in this job, and you just like you continue doing the job, you continue working hard, you just try to do the best you can. I'm sure Malone's probably feeling that same way. He's probably thinking, man, through 48 games of the season already, and it doesn't necessarily feel like that. But you get it done. Uh, Denver will get that record for Coach Malone next year, barring unforeseen circumstances. And I tend to think that like he deserves it, man. Like He's been great. And a lot of people complain about Malone. He's not the most well-liked in terms of all the elements of Denver. But I think he embraces this Nuggets fan base. I think he embraces this team and is willing to be the mouthpiece for fans in a lot of ways. And, and just like, why isn't everybody respecting us? Why isn't everybody doing what they should be doing to credit Denver? He's always trying to do that. And he doesn't necessarily do it from like a immature standpoint or anything like that, but got these sound bites that are crazy. He's got these, uh, this little trash talk, these subtle jabs for the op opposition, especially in the playoff run last year. A lot of fun to watch and a lot of fun to listen to Michael Malone. Always has time for the media and is great with us. And it's just a, a very, very nice time for him to be the coach of the Nuggets and to 
really connect with his stars. And he credited his stars last night. Like this wasn't just a coaching record. This was a, hey, Nikola Jokic is awesome. Jamal Murray is awesome kind of record and really, really uh, benefiting, obviously, from talent on the floor, which every coach will say. So important stuff and just awesome to see from Denver. It was also Doc Rivers' first game, as I mentioned, and I'm impressed with Milwaukee. I think that there are still some things that they have to do. Like Malik Beasley was their defensive stopper last night, and like I actually liked it better when Jay Crowder was out there on Jamal Murray. I thought that he was a better defensive player and did smarter stuff against Jamal and was more physical and just a better defender in general than Malik. I think that Milwaukee needs another perimeter defender, somebody that they could trust, somebody that they could throw out there in the starting lineup. Not sure if they're going to find that in the def- or in this stuff, but it should be very, very interesting to see what Milwaukee can do because their other four guys, Dame, Giannis, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, all of those guys were like, like, I believe in them as really, really talented, really, really good players that can solve problems. Like they're going to be a very, very interesting team to watch at the trade deadline because if they get the right guy that they need, they're going to be pretty good. Like I think I ranked them. So in the alley by yesterday, I recorded a video that had the top contenders in the NBA, the team's most likely to win a championship in my mind. Denver was one, Boston was two, and Milwaukee was three because I believe in Damon Giannis finding ways to get it done. And Chris Middleton, like as long as he's healthy, like that dude was really, really impressive last night. Doc Rivers is going to be, he's going to be in a pretty good position to succeed. And he's got to get them to play the right way. He's got to find other guys off the bench. Like Bobby Portis can't be going two of 13 for them. They've got to find guys that can give them more consistency off the bench. Maybe how you do that is you find another perimeter guy perimeter defense guy, and then you move Malik Beasley to the bench and he can be one of your consistent bench guys. That wouldn't surprise me in the slightest, but uh, credit to Michael Malone and credit to Denver for being able to get that job done in Doc Rivers' first game. Uh, I'm not sure what that's going to look like, but hopefully uh, hopefully we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Final thing here. The Murray versus Dame and Jokic versus Giannis matchups. I I haven't spent too much time on that. Denver is so familiar with Damian Lillard. He's been giving Denver problems for years. And Denver's been giving him problems for years. They know each other so well, both of these teams, like, like player and team. Denver was one of the first teams in the NBA to really blitz Dame and give him problems in the pick and roll where, hey, you don't know what you're necessarily going to do from a pick and roll standpoint. If you show two at the level, you show two guys. Dame's gotten better at navigating that, and he's had better moments than he did last night doing that. But Denver was the team initially that gave him the most problems. And in that 2019 series, it really wasn't Dame that was the problem. It was the fact that they got contributions from other guys and above station shooting in big moments from other guys. CJ McCollum, obviously, that's what you expect him to do. But Rodney Hood throughout that series, that was a difficult thing. Uh, That was a difficult thing for Denver back in the day. And then Evan Turner and Myers Leonard were the guys that were the the clutch options in game seven, of course. And that was a 
That was a very difficult thing for Denver fans to stomach. But it wasn't because of Dame that they lost. Like Dame, they they kind of bottled up. And even though Dame was awesome in the 2021 series against Denver, like they still found ways and they they made him try to be the hero. And he was nearly the hero. He had that 55 and 10 game back in game five of the Western Conference first round. That was an incredible performance. And it didn't matter because Denver took advantage of him on the defensive end. And they got everything they wanted in in that setup where they're trying to maximize Dame and maximize their points as much as they could back in that series. And that really compromised their defense as a result. So it's interesting to see. And I'm just very fascinated by that matchup consistently where Jamal Murray has always gone up against Damian Lillard and always like been pretty close to equal in, in most of these cases. And last night, he was better. Last night, it was very clear who the better guard was. And that's nice to see where you know that Jamal can step up in these moments. You know he can be the best player on the court when it matters, if if it's not Jokic. Like, that's what we saw in the Boston game. That's what we saw all throughout the playoffs last year. And Jamal has that capability. And finding that opportunity to step up a little bit more consistently, that should always be his goal especially in a regular season context. And it's tough where like every Nuggets player, every Nuggets team, like they they know what the goal is and they know that games against Memphis and games against Dallas and games against like, I don't know, like New York, frankly, they're not going to matter as much from a... Um, yeah, they're not they're not going to matter as much from a building playoff habits kind of standpoint. Denver's on that track and it's just it's very impressive to see them continue to do that. Um truth teller. The reason I can make fun of the Phoenix Suns shot chart is because Jamal can actually play defense. Obviously, you don't want them to win by shooting four three or by making four threes. But that was what they were getting, and they're taking the open shots that, like, they're taking the open shots that Milwaukee was giving to them, and they're doing what they needed to do. Obviously, it wasn't Denver's best run last game, but you could also put it for on Jokic for being ten of twenty-five. You do not have to blame Murray for going thirteen of twenty-two. Blame Jokic; he was the guy. That if you're if you're going to blame anybody for the shooting efficiency yesterday, don't blame the guy that was shooting above sixty percent. Like, what are we doing? Come on. Um, but look, Denver is going to be just fine. And the Jokic versus Giannis battle is the other thing I want to wrap up with. That is what the Embiid battle was supposed to be. The Jokic versus Embiid matchup was supposed to be what we got from Jokic versus Giannis. Two guys going at each other, being very competitive, doing everything they can to win. Not necessarily going to be pretty all the time. Not necessarily going to be great. The shooting efficiency, like I just mentioned, it wasn't good. But the most important thing that Denver did was compete and battle and make it hard for a guy like Giannis. And Giannis, like to his credit, really took it back to uh, like he he was doing everything that he could to battle back against Denver whether it was Aaron Gordon or Peyton Watson or Nikola Jokic 
or anybody that he was matched up with. He was going to the rim. He was playing hard. And Denver, they absolutely figured it out. They did what they could. And they like that's just what that matchup is supposed to look like. Like where you sell out and you have two guys that are going back and forth against each other. There was a point in that third quarter where Jokic was demanding the ball on the post, demanding it while being guarded by Giannis. And Giannis noticed that and he was like, okay, not backing down here. I think Jokic was successful on one of those, like only like one out of three of them. But like, it doesn't matter because you're supposed to battle and you're supposed to like not win every time when you go up against the second best player in the NBA. Jokic and Giannis have been the two best players in the NBA for the last five years. Like a lot of people will credit Embiid, who's been a great regular season player. Giannis has consistently stepped up more in the playoffs. And Jokic has been better than both of them. But like, that's what it's supposed to look like. And it's why the Embiid thing was so disappointing on Saturday, because we got such a great battle here. And imagine getting those two battles back to back, where you get Jokic going up against Embiid and then Jokic going up against Giannis. And if it had worked out both of these times, like if Jokic had outplayed Embiid, like, man, this would be quite the storyline. Would be quite the storyline over this stretch. Didn't work out that way, obviously. Embiid ducked. We know this. But like, I'm very, very impressed with the mentality that Jokic brought to last night's game and how much respect he has for Giannis. Like, he respects that dude and the way that he competes and the way that he fights. And like, that's just how it's supposed to be. That's what this, that's what Rivals Week was supposed to be less, this last week. And it's just so frustrating. I know all Nuggets fans are very frustrated too. But look, this is what the best players do. This is how they feel. This is uh, this is what the games are supposed to be like. And I am very, very impressed with the way the Jokic and Denver handled this. Murray and Denver handled this. This was exactly how you're supposed to approach a game like today or last night. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they do going forward. Denver's got a big one on Wednesday. Uh, you're going to listen to this one on Tuesday. Maybe you listen to it on Wednesday. They've got a big one on Wednesday night against the OKC Thunder. That is a massive, massive game. I'm about to go into the studio for Mile High Sports, and we're going to record some content. Uh, we're going to record a Denver versus OKC preview. So be on the lookout for that. Be on the lookout for what's to come on this channel. Going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we've been cranking out content, me and Swipe, but we've been doing everything we can to put out the best content for you. So hit that like button, hit that subscribe button on the channel, uh, and, and make sure to keep an eye out for, for more videos in the future. It's going to be a lot of fun. Everybody, that's going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Like I said, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. I will talk to you guys very soon.